Welcome to today's Daily PBJ Devotional. Read Genesis 43, Job 9, and Psalm 41 if you're keeping up with the Old Testament reading schedule. This devotional is about Job 9. Then Job answered, Yes, I know that it is so, but how can a mortal be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with God, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has resisted him and prospered? He moves mountains without their knowledge and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place so that its foundations tremble. He commands the sun not to shine. He seals off the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion, of the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He does great things beyond searching out and wonders without number. Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move, I would not recognize him. If he takes away, who can stop him? Who dares to ask him? What are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. The helpers of Rahab cower beneath him. How then can I answer him or choose my arguments against him? For even if I were right, I could not answer. I could only beg my judge for mercy. If I summoned him and he answered me, I do not believe he would listen to my voice. For he would crush me with a tempest and multiply my words without cause. He does not let me catch my breath but overwhelms me with bitterness. If it is a matter of strength, he is indeed mighty. If it is a matter of justice, who can summon him? Even if I were righteous, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would declare me guilty. Though I am blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. It is all the same, and so I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When the scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? My days are swifter than a runner. They flee without seeing good. They sweep by like boats of papyrus, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I were to say, I will forget my complaint and change my expression and smile, I would still dread all my sufferings. I know that you will not acquit me. Since I am already found guilty, why should I labor in vain? If I should wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, then you would plunge me into the pit, and even my own clothes would despise me. For he is not a man like me that I can answer him, that we can take each other to court. Nor is there a mediator between us to lay his hand upon us both. Let him remove his rod from me, so that his terror will no longer frighten me. Then I would speak without fear of him. But as it is, I am on my own. This is God's word. Because of the strange, supernatural ways in which Job's life had collapsed, there were no easy answers for what happened to him. If a tornado levels a family's house, leaving only one survivor and a stock market crash on the same day wipes out their life savings, that's bad. But in that case, the tornado probably destroyed and damaged other homes in the area, and other people for sure would have lost their money in the stock market. Those people might think that God is out to get them, 
But the reality is that God allowed some painful tragedies to happen to many people. By contrast, Job's life was surgically detonated, like a skillfully imploded skyscraper that levels the target building while leaving the others around it unaffected. Job's friends came to show their support, but they couldn't empathize with him because they hadn't experienced even part of Job's trauma. The strategic nature of his calamity and the thoroughness of it would cause anyone to think that God was out to get them. It was designed to strip away every blessing from Job. Then his theology, his understanding of God, would be exposed, like tearing the bricks and siding off a house so that you can see the framing beneath it. We see that theology, the infrastructure of Job's faith, here in Job chapter 9. In verses 2 through 13, Job lauded the Lord's wisdom and power as unparalleled in the universe. As I read those verses, my heart was moved to awe at the majestic massiveness of God, particularly in verses 4 through 10. Then in verse 11, Job points out that God is invisible, so we are unaware of his presence, even as he goes about blessing or wrecking our lives. Job's theology revolves around the greatness of God, and it is rock-solid biblically. But because he understood God so well, Job was painfully aware of the futility of challenging God. Consider these words. How can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wished to dispute with him, they could not answer him. One time out of a thousand. That's verses 2 and 3 in the NIV. Or this. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? That's verse 12 in the NIV. Or this. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. That's verses 14 through 16 in the NIV. Job was right, and as a result, we're all in big trouble. Although he was a very righteous man, he was not perfect in his righteousness. If Job knew that he could not stand before God, then none of us even has the ghost of a chance. Job's good theology and his terrible circumstances, however, led him to an important conclusion. He said, If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that his terror would frighten me no more, then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it stands with me, I cannot. That's verses 33 through 35 in the NIV. Now this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus came to do what Job knew that he needed someone to do. He came to mediate between us, as Job said in those verses. And Jesus did more than Job could have expected. If Jesus came to mediate for us based on our own righteousness and good behavior, he would have nothing to argue on our behalf. But by becoming our righteousness, however, Jesus could make peace with God for us, and he did. This is our hope. This is the core of our faith. This causes us to worship God thankfully, not fearfully. Although we are guilty, our advocate 
made peace with God for us. Job didn't know it, but that's where God was leading the human race. Since we know Jesus and know what he's done for us, we can be thankful that he has indeed come, not only to mediate on our behalf, but to make peace with God for us. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. In Jesus' name. If you thought this devotional was helpful and you don't already receive it by email, please go to dailypbj.com slash subscribe. And for free, please subscribe just by putting your email address in the little box there. And every day, you'll receive a transcript of these devotionals, as well as links to the audio and video. And that will cue you to be in God's Word every single day. If you would consider supporting me financially on a monthly basis, please go to dailypbj.com slash support. Please share this with someone who may be struggling with their faith and their theology because of some suffering in their life. And I'll see you next time. May God bless you. Hope you have a great day.